Welcome to True Mental Health. I'm Crystal Crawford. And I'm Dr. Janine Kraft. We're here to have unique conversations about what really creates mental wellness. After years, decades of seeking, seeking what could create more ease in life and trying every modality possible. Crystal and I crossed paths and realized we had similar missions. A mission to have conversations about what creates ease, what creates well-being, and what renders us truly functional. If you know something else is possible, maybe completely different than you've ever been taught, join us on a journey to uncover what creates true mental health. Cool. to true mental health with me and my good friend, Dr. G- oh, I'm just having a hard time with your name lately when I put it all together. English. Blah, blah, blah. Dr. Janine Kraft. Um, and I think we're on episode eight, but more importantly, we're having a, a conversation today because who cares what the episode is? What the heck are we talking about? Um, so you, of course, we always like go 18 different directions, but Gosh, I know. Okay, so we're do we want to... <laughs> Okay, so let's start with what we originally came up with, which was tolerance. So something about that was popping lately. And if you've watched us before, you know we're talking a little bit about how these topics are understood within the psychological field and then how are they understood from an access perspective and what really works, because that's where I'm at. Like just tell me what works and have a life with these. So <laughs> I don't know. Give me ease. Give me ease. Yeah. Okay. So the window of tolerance, very significant, very real, right? So within psychology, this is an idea where if you've had a lot of trauma in your life, then your nervous system tends to be dysregulated, meaning that it doesn't take much of these ups and downs of daily life to get you into a trauma response, like a freeze, a fight a you know flight some sort of response even a shutdown something to that effect so the idea being that you have like a low threshold or a small tolerance to deal with like whatever the upsets of life versus <laughs> you already have so many thoughts on radio. <laughs> versus versus right if you have a more expanded tolerance or your nervous system is more flexible you're able to tolerate these with more ease or not go into the trauma response so that's the psychological perspective. I would say that's essentially true. I mean, you know, like when you've, if you're, if you're talking to somebody who's been through a war um, versus somebody who grew up in a nice suburban family that was pretty calm and normal, let's put normal in air quotes, because whatever, whatever that is, yeah. um, you know, you are going to be dealing with two different scenarios in that person so i mean some of this is is true and i think to me that's the thing about psychology and just breaking all this open is that there is a lot of it that's true and then there's that one thing that kind of veers off and always kind of sticks you that where it stops being functional so i guess what i would look at with this is which part of that belief system or or concept is functional and which part of it isn't um that's really the first thing that you look at with anything is like what part of this is working and what part of this isn't working to me a a, a different conversation about all of this is recognizing where you go into coping with Mm -hmm. what's occurring 
and learning about and starting to practice allowance. Now, allowance and tolerance aren't the same thing. Allowance is where every single thing is just an interesting point of view. And tolerance is where you have to take it and tolerate it, right? And so mm-hmm. who of us even wants to tolerate most people's like? I mean, really, when you look at that word, you're like, I would tolerate anything for what reason, you know? But if it came to like being in allowance of what someone's choosing, where allowance is essentially where you're the rock in the stream and like every single thing can just, you know, float around you and you're the rock in the stream and you don't get swept away. Acceptance and tolerance are where you're kind of like the big door in the stream. And if there's a big, heavy wave of something, you're knocked over and you're swept away with the wave. So I think we really have to look at like, is there something, is there just a different reality that's available that would work better? Yeah. Well, I'm wondering because with tolerance, right, there's already like a a vibe of disempowerment, which although I find partially true because there is like at some point the body physiologically takes over. I'm thinking about like when I was five years old, I was bit Mm -hmm. by um, our childhood dog like right here in in the head. And I didn't feel anything like my body took over in that moment. So it's kind of like, did I actually have like the access to to change what my body was doing? So in that sense, that's where I could see, you know, where the word tolerance is used. But it's kind of like, at what point are we are we just kind of leaning back or defaulting to like, oh, well, it's like, that's my trauma response, or I'm just tolerating versus where do we have choice here? Where do we get to override the body? I'm actually curious about this thing with the body from your point of view, because I, Mm -hmm. that's sort of, I mean, I get what you're talking about, because it's like something occurs and then your body just naturally responds. Um, To me, that's different than tolerance. So how do they, like, how does that merge for you? Yeah, that's a good question, because I'm trying to think of another example where this happened. I mean, well, certainly, so I used to work with a lot of veterans and, um, Oftentimes there was a lot of shame around when there was sexual assault because the veteran would go into some sort of freeze response where like the body took over and that they didn't have the whereabouts to fight back. And then it's kind of like they have the 20 hindsight is 2020 looking back. Well, if only I fought back, if only I said something, but in that moment, the body just totally took over. So now in the future, here we are. And it's like, this idea of tolerance is that, well, the nervous system has only so much flexibility. However, now once we're past the trauma, it's kind of like in our court to start regulating, to start choosing to do the things that would increase flexibility, increase the tolerance. This is interesting because when I really look at the word tolerance and and the way that you're talking about it, I see a lot of different elements to it. Mm. And I think this is one of the things that occurs that does create confusion for us, even though we don't know exactly that we're confused, that we get into a concept that we're supposed to be able to do something with and then we can't. It seems unwieldy because in that concept are a lot of different things lumped together. Um, To Mm. me, like, like, coping mechanisms are what we create to handle insanity period and insanity can show up as you know a traumatic event it can be ongoing it can be um you know one time it can be multiple times and and so we instantly develop these ways of coping with the insanity that definitely include like responses from our body that you know 
handle it, tolerate it, handle it until we can get to a, a different space and actually make some different choices. That is absolutely 100% a brilliance on our part. Um, so yeah, in terms of how that affects the nervous system, I definitely don't have a lot of schooling in that. I know for me, out creating my own coping mechanisms is definitely a process because there are all of these places inside of myself based on the number of traumas that I coped with that I inst still instantaneously go into coping rather than um, choice. So mm -hmm. from that point of view, I, I, I experience it. I like, I know what you're talking about. And in those places, what I've discovered changes it or it gives, I guess, restores elasticity, which is really what you were talking about. Yeah. Is recognizing that I'm doing coping, number one. And beginning beginning to consciously get when I'm doing it. Because the first step to any healing that I've discovered is, is consci the consciousness of the unconsciousness. It's like, if you don't know that what you're doing is unconscious, then you can't change it. So like bringing consciousness to that I'm coping, not choosing, right? Like, and, and that's, the symptoms of coping are multifaceted. They're the, what you were talking about of like shutting down, um, you know, reacting is a coping mechanism. Thinking is a coping mechanism. Um, there's so many, there's so many different ways of coping with what we don't know how to handle. Yeah. And so you find out you're doing it by starting to notice the symptoms of it and then going, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. If I wasn't coping here, what could I choose? And to me, that's been in restoring that elasticity of choice that wasn't naturally developed back in the day when I was, you know, developing all my coping mechanisms to just get here. So is that more the energy of what we're talking about from your point of view? It does seem to be because I was getting like from what you were saying, this kind of idea of the reflex, right? It's kind of like the body has taken over. And so now there's just this reflex happening. And it's with all the folks I've worked with, oftentimes it was like they didn't have the awareness of what was going through their head until the body reacted, right? Because the body was more vocal with yeah, when your body has no point of view, it just right. like does its thing. Yeah. 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 And so it was kind of like needing to start there. And I sense that this is where people kind of feel disempowered in the sense because they're just not aware of the thought process and the body yeah. is just going into it. So it's like yeah. starting there to start to gain greater and greater levels of awareness, consciousness yeah. to the present moments so that you can start to regulate the body and have then access to what's going on in the thinking mind, right? Because we actually, when we go into a trauma response, we quite literally, the brain goes offline and we're into blood is slowing to our extremities and going into preparation mode. So we have less access to our awareness in that moment. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we talked about so many different things earlier, kind of in the sense of like, how does this relate to feelings? How does this relate to business and, and relationships and what we're choosing? And I mean, it just could go. Yeah, yeah. So many ways. Well, I mean, I guess maybe we zoom out on the conversation a bit now at this point and kind of go, um, 
how do you use any of this information to create a, a life that works better, basically, would be the kind of the bigger question of like, okay, cool. So now we're talking about we've got coping mechanisms in the conversation and restoring elasticity and all these big things. It's like, now, how do you use this to, to change what's showing up in your life? That's the process that I've been in really actively for the last, probably the last nine years. But to me, this year has been the year of really getting a sense of where I instantaneously go into that kind of fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. One of the things you said that I wanted to ask you more about in terms of what you meant was about regulating the body. Because to me, um, it's there's a much more of a, I guess, a symbiosis of occurrences with your body and with bringing more conscious awareness to how you're choosing to handle things. Um, to, it seems like for you, there's a little bit more of a handle the body and then handle this. Can you talk more about what you know about that? Yeah. Yeah. So something I share frequently with folks is Dr. Peter Levine's work. And he basically studied animals and how they recover from trauma because it's like they're constantly exposed to trauma and then they go right back to raising the fields or being calm. And, you know, for us, it's like a whole different reality. And two major things happened, which is they tremor their body and they labor their breathing. So hence how this kind of evolved into breath work. And for me, it's like dance, dance party, shaking it out, right? Like yeah, yeah. doing that over and over again. And so that's just generally where I've started folks when I'm treating trauma and all sorts of things, because it was almost like challenging to access a thought process that was helpful or challenge a thought process without starting to just get, get the body to calm down a little bit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so with access consciousness stuff, what we apply and really use a lot of is bars, access bars, mm -hmm. which dissipates that electromagnetic component of thought. It dissipates all those trauma energies. It just, very with a lot of ease like dissipates things and then we also have the energetic body processes so it's a similar awareness that being and body both require attention um so choose what works for you definitely where was i going with that somebody was asking what's possible in changing that reflex to allow more space for awareness and choice bars um <laughs> yeah bars yeah and, and I would say, too, it's like starting to recognize, like, if I, if I go back to what I was trying to do before that I was unsuccessful at, which was the zoom out, it's start looking at what's working in your life and what's not really working. And because to, to me, that's the kind of the foundation of any conversation of like, why would you change anything if it's working? If it's not working, what is it that's not working about it? You know, for me personally, for example, in, in my relationship this year with all of the huge choices we made, I had a lot of um, a lot of places where I went into coping come up and I didn't even really know that I had that many left. Uh, every single thing that we were choosing brought them up to change. And that's how things occur for me is you know, when it's time for something to change, it will come up in the form of like a, a non-functional moment, basically a moment where you're like, oh, that didn't work so well. And so that's the things to start to pay attention to. And if you have recurring things like that, to me, that's the time to start to look at, okay, what, what is it that I'm, what, is, what am I doing here? What am I doing with this? You start to bring awareness to what am I attempting to accomplish with the way that I'm being with this? 
So the, the thing that goes on that I see with coping is that it's an instantaneous moment of unconscious reaction to something you get, you, like you get so much information and this is, wow, so many things at the same time. When you go into coping, what has occurred is that you've gotten so much information about so many things mm. that you don't know what to do with, period. And it can range. The information ranges from all the awareness that you got of all the judgments, all the awareness that you got of their world, all the awareness you got of all the other people's worlds. I mean, what you got to get is how aware you are. And you don't you won't get it. You won't. I'm, I'm like nine years into access consciousness and I'm still remembering all the time. But where I started to notice this year was that in the moments I went into coping, I would get this like flood of information and then I would instantaneously go into a reaction to try to handle it that of course didn't handle it and so I had to start to teach myself that that's what was occurring and by teaching myself I just mean you do the thing and then you like realize you probably don't want to do that thing it didn't create what you wanted and then you go back and look at it and and start to create a bit of a gap for yourself between the thing occurring and what you would typically react to and ask yourself some different questions. And nine times out of 10, I always have to go back into the situation too and apologize. So, all right, that's just part <laughs> of it, you know. <laughs> but um, that, that's been my process of, of bringing more conscious awareness to that I'm doing it and more questions in there that are starting to teach me how things work for me. Because we don't get how things work for us. We don't get how we receive information. We don't get how, where we are energetically. We don't know what to do with it, even though it's there. Um, we don't know if we even should do anything with it. And so they're all like, and then. Um, That's the clinical term. And there we are. <laughs> That's what well, we're going to call like, the show. What, <laughs> what I was getting is like, I mean, there's this huge piece that we're not even talking about within psychology is the awareness of energies and all possibilities in that sense. And that creates a lot of these like freeze responses or overwhelm. And where I'm seeing you go into, which is like, okay, I have a choice here. What could I choose next versus the disempowerment of like, well, this is my body going into this thing and I can't really control it. So in that sense, I was saying like, it's giving you more access to something else that you could choose when you open that up. Also it's, coming from a place of no judgment, of course. Yeah. It's here's, here's something though, that could piss some people off though. It's also recognizing that overwhelm and coping are choices. Well, and so, right. This is what we're talking about. Cause it's like, yeah. where does the physiological piece take over? But if like, if it's always a choice, then is our well, body but just choice to comes us? from here. Yeah. And this is where we're making a separate, we're assuming that there's a separation between physiological, physiology and psychology. Is there? Or is there more of a dance? Yeah. I mean, that's my the thing. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I'm, so, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, it's, it's looking at what's working and what's not working again. But like, I mean, I hear what you're saying. And also what I've had to recognize is like, you know, is it the body that can't cope with awareness or is it the being who's decided they can't mm. cope with awareness and then the body supports the being's point of view? <laughs> and everything that, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh 
So I yeah. guess you could have the chicken or the egg conversation. Of course you could. Um, you also, to me, I always look at what conversation actually gives me more space and more possibility because that to me is the more interesting conversation. But that, you know, like if, if an infinite, if, if someone functioning as an infinite being could handle anything, then in that moment where I've developed that coping mechanism, have I learned that I'm an infinite being? Am I functioning like an infinite being or am I functioning as one who cannot handle what's coming at them? And I learned that because that's how my family believed. And, you know, it's like we learn all this way. We learn all these ways of doing the world instantaneously when we come into the world. But what's really true? And so that's the thing that what's really true here is the conversation that's allowing me access to the choices I have beyond coping. And my body's just following. My body yeah. responds to what I choose. So... I'm curious because there's a comment here. The body controls the mind and the mind follows the body. The body controls the mind. And I was in because something that I've taught folks is that when there is some sort of mm, we're at a certain vibrational state or we're in a trauma response, it's like we're calibrating our radio receiver to kind of pull in a thought process that might match that vibrational frequency, right? So if we're really anxious, I'm going to have a lot of anxious stories going on. Yet, I wouldn't necessarily see that as controlling the mind, just more that, okay, well, that's where my body's at. I have a choice now. I can buy into all these stories that my mind is starting to tell myself or not. Mm-hmm. And then you could just go over into left field and go, who do all these stories even belong to? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it really does depend on like what, what, um, yeah, so many things. Well, yeah. And it's kind of like <laughs> if we're not even having that conversation of the awareness of that, we're aware of energies and you know, that not all energy is mine, that my body perceives that my mind is going through, then it's kind of like, that's, I think, the missing link, at least within psychology, that is where things fall off, where it's just like, why is this not working? Because we haven't included the energy conversation from my perspective. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've run out of words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there. So there. Well, there. Yeah. To me, I mean, the the thing that um, has, I guess, wow, what can I say about this? If you exclude energy and awareness from any conversation, what you could be excluding is an ability that you have that you don't know that you have. When you don't acknowledge an ability that you have, you will try to obtain any reachable explanation for why things are occurring that may or may not be why things are occurring. When you place a why things are occurring on something, this is why, and it isn't that thing, then it will stick you and it won't work. That is what's relevant to me about the access consciousness conversations, because I was taught all kinds of things that didn't actually create any freedom. Right. So it's like all these different. So even the coping conversation, I knew that I had developed coping mechanisms. 
I knew that from like, I've been through a lot of trauma and I had to cope with it. I was aware of that. When the two words came up in excess consciousness, I was like, oh yeah, I know these words, coping mechanisms. What I didn't know is that um, thinking is a coping mechanism. And I'm like, wait, thinking's a coping mechanism. So what is it I'm trying to cope with, with thinking? Oh, I'm, and then I would get this big download of when I would ask that question, what am I trying to cope with, with thinking? Uh, I'm trying to cope with that I'm aware. I'm trying to cope with that I know that I'm trying to cope with how able mm. I am. I'm trying to cope with all of my capacities. I'm trying to cope with everybody else and their points of view about themselves. It was like 80 billion things I was trying to cope with, with thinking. What am I trying to accomplish with? So it really brought like more clarity to coping mechanisms that I never really had before. The, that's the thing that I find um, a little, I guess is that's the thing that didn't do me as great a service as this other thing, because it was a partial explanation, not a full 100% empowerment. And yeah. explanations did not give me more access to my abilities or what I could do with that information. They simply gave me an explanation. And so that to me is the more, is the relevance of looking from a totally different point of view going, okay, cool. We've got all this. Well, this is the way it works. Okay, cool. Are you more free now? Do you feel happier after knowing that? Does it give you a sense of space? Okay, well, this is how it did. Okay, cool. And now does your life work better? So if what you're explaining doesn't make your life work, work better, to me, what you're explaining is not relevant. <laughs> but that's me because I'm looking for what works. So what's that, you know? Oh, so much, yeah. Well, and if it's like, are we, is one functioning from I'm a finite human being and having this human experience and I need to go through all this pain and suffering and whatnot for life to be valuable versus could I function from an infinite being experience like and everything that involves, which is kind of more the space that you're talking from. It's, I guess what I'm wondering is like, where do the two merge? Is there a merging of like, well, you're this infinite being, but you have this human body or is it still just a choice? Well, what if they don't merge? Let's play with that for a second. What if there's no bridge? What if mm -hmm. there's this way of doing the world, which is the full human experience, feeling all of your feelings, finding your identity, finding your purpose, finding all of the solid and real connection points, reference points to something here? What if there's that? And then this other thing that we talk about, like, what if you have no definition, you have no reality, the purpose of life is to have fun. Um, God forbid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she said like, the F word. Oh my God, she said the F word. <laughs> you know, all of life can come to you with ease and joy and glory. You actually, mm -hmm. feelings are what's used to control people and you. Like there's this totally other conversation. Yeah. What if there's no bridge? What mm -hmm. if there's just choosing what works for you? To me, I mean, and, and you know, I have I had a conversation about this recently, and I recognize like I am constantly looking for the things that give me more access to the choices I have, the power I have available um, for the creation of something greater. And that goes beyond just needing to feel my feelings and like make sure I process the whole thing, because in truth, change can occur just like that. 
Yes. So I know that's possible. I don't have to go through what everyone else is telling me I have to go through. I can actually have the change now by choosing, by, you know, choosing a different kind of tool. So you have to look at what's more valuable to you. What's, you know, is the full human experience and it is a human experience. It's not a humanoid experience, which we could mm -hmm. have a whole conversation about that. Humanoid reality is fast and light and speedy and doesn't have any density to it. It has no solidity to it, but human reality does. And for some people that is more valuable than the other. And I think it's just looking at what's more valuable to you. Um, Since you brought up humanoids, I think it's really relevant because my, my audience probably might not know much mm -hmm. about that term. Could you elaborate? Yeah, it's, it's more for just identification. It's not to judge. It's recognizing that there are different species on the planet, similar mm -hmm. to like there's horses and dogs and cats and cows. There's like different species of human type beings that look like humanoids, but maybe they look like humans and maybe aren't humans judge everybody else as wrong. Humanoids judge themselves, essentially. Those are mm -hmm. the distinguishing factors. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you were a humanoid kid raised by human parents, they judged you and so did you. And that's how that worked. Um, that's like and, the reflex almost, right? You would say? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So to me, that was a really freeing conversation because as a humanoid, I grew up feeling really, really wrong for everything. And that's typically as a humanoid, how you feel. You just feel wrong all the time about everything. You're wrong in the way you do life. You're wrong in the way you handle things. You're just wrong. Um, and the human point of view is that you're wrong too. And why would you do all that self-help and development stuff? You don't need that. I don't need it. Why do you, you know? So so, you know, it's just recognizing that you may have something really different available to you that that is more functional than what has been explained to you or what you've decided is logical. Um, what I have found is that the not logical things actually end up creating more freedom for me and empower me to create a different result. And that was interesting to me. Yeah, I think that's where I sense some people get stuck is because they're kind of like, well, can it be that easy? Or like, how do I know that I'm still choosing the right reality? Like you, you don't. Know. Yeah. <laughs> you it. don't. And then yeah. the question is, there was no right and there was no wrong and there was only choice. Would you be willing to have that much freedom? Yeah. Or do you need to invent some, some rights and wrongs to make sure that you fall within what you've decided is okay? Mm -hmm. um, it is a level of freedom that um, most find you know, that a lot of people find confronting. But if there was no right and there was no wrong, would that give you more space to be? And is that a level of being that you'd like to have? Yeah. And to be that different is really what I'm getting in the sense of just like, especially if you grew up a certain way or, you know, around folks that you still have those reference points for, and then all of a sudden you are starting to choose something else. It really dynamically shakes up all of your relationships. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, well, wait, should I still be choosing this? We'll meet. And then there goes into the doubt and all the distractor implant universe. What would it take to be willing to be as different as you are? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my God, you guys. Well, these conversations get weirder. Thank you for joining <laughs> me. <laughs> they get weirder and weirder. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I adore you. And thank you guys for joining us live. If you got anything out of it, share it with your friends and we'll see you next time. All right.
Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a request. If you found benefit from today's episode, we'd be so grateful if you would subscribe, leave us a review, or share it with someone you know would benefit. Until next time.